we are calling your attention to the teachings of the book of John. We are fortunate that he tells us why he wrote in John the 20th chapter, 30 and 31. You have it written there on your paper. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And that is the reason we preach, and that is the purpose of our preaching, is to help you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he lives in the hearts and lives of those believers. And he is present this morning. We have worshipped him. We have communed with him. We have been cleansed by his blood. We're consciously aware that the efficacy, the cleansing power of his blood cleanses us from all sin as we confess and walk in the light. It is rather surprising that the word miracle never occurs in the gospel according to John. This does not mean that there are no miracles recounted uh, here in this gospel and recorded. For John tells us that he did heal the sick, that he did give sight to the blind, that he did feed the multitudes, and many other things, but the word miracle never occurs in the entire book. You may very well ask, well, uh, what are those events called then? The answer is that they are called signs in this book. All of us know that a sign points beyond itself to something that is of significance. The word sign gives us an insight into the message of the Gospel of John. These are miracles that are not called miracles because they are primarily signs. Signs pointing to something far more important than the event itself. I should like to study and just go through those uh, seven chief signs in the book of John. We might expect a score of miracles there, but we need to understand that there are 50 in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, that John only chose to name two of the ones that were named among the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the ones that we want to mention this morning, the first one is 
that Christ taking the sign in order of the books, and you have them listed in your paper, is that we come, we find that the first one is turning the water to wine in Cana of Galilee. Jesus and his mother, some of his disciples with them, walked about uh, eight or ten miles uh, east of Nazareth to the town of Cana, and uh, they attended a wedding feast. Now, in those days, it lasted for a week. Everybody in the whole town was invited, and they provided wine and food for the entire community. And uh, so it was not surprising that at this particular occasion that they had exhausted the wine. And uh, in this particular instance, we understand that it concerned Mary very much. And she called the attention to her son. And we read this passage. It says, Now there were six water pots of uh, stone set there after the Jewish manner of purifying, containing two or three firkins apiece. Now, a calculation of this uh it's slightly less than 200 gallons. 200 gallons of, of water fill those pots. And Jesus saith unto, unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the ruler of the feast. And uh, they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast tasted the water had become wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants that had drawn uh, the water knew, because the ruler of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man setteth on first the good wine, and when men have drunk freely this occasion, and where the whole town had come in, he said, Then they put the worst that thou, you have kept the good wine last. Now, we have not sufficient time to point out all of these miracles and, and what they might contribute and the things that might happen in all of this and imply it. But the signs are thing that stands out. The thing that stands out here is the quality of the wine and the quantity of the wine, 200 gallons. And when you think about this, the real meaning of this event is yet even more than the quality and the quantity. This is the beginning of the signs of Jesus in Cain of Galilee. And it, it manifested, the scripture said it manifested his glory. Now his glory is his reign, his power, that he is God. And the, 20, the 11th verse says, And his disciples believed on him. Do you believe because that's recorded? That's what it was written for, John said. Now he was not interested in wine. 
He was interested in creating faith in people. That he was the Son of God. That he was real. That he was from outer space. That he existed before he came into the flesh. Now at the same opening, there is this sentence. Now when he was at Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many, many believed on his name, beholding the signs that he did. The second sign described in the gospel is in chapter 4. A nobleman who lived in Capernaum had a son who was critically ill. He had come 30 miles on foot to the city of Cana, where Jesus was again visiting and to ask his help. He wanted Jesus to help him. He'd heard about it. He'd heard about it a lot, about a lot of, like a lot of people have heard about his first miracle, but they may not believe. But he believed. Here's the story. He came, therefore, again under Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and begged him, he besought him, that he would come down and heal his son. He believed he could do it. For he was at that point of death. He knew he was going to die. Jesus therefore said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down and heal my child before he dies. Just come down. Jesus said, You go your way. You go your way. Your son lives. Just like that. Just like that. Now, we didn't know that then, but the man believed the word that Jesus spoke unto him, and he just went his way. He believed it. The point is, do we believe it? Do we believe Jesus is that powerful today? Now, his servant met him, saying, Your son lives. He said, Well, now, now, now wait just a minute. What time? What time did he, did this happen? Well, they said yesterday at uh, seventh hour, the fever just left him. The son lives. And he himself believed in his whole house. Jesus worked extraordinary miracles and signs. He healed a boy 30 miles away at the moment he decided he'd heal him. As a result, the whole family believed. The question is today, do we believe Jesus has lost his power? The next of the signs occurred in the fifth chapter. Jesus was in Jerusalem and there was a man who was lame, perhaps a paralytic, 
he had been lame for 38 years and had hoped for a cure, but no cure had come. The story begins in verse 5. A certain man was there who had been 38 years in his infirmity. When Jesus saw him lying and knew that he had now a long time in this particular condition, he saith unto him, Wouldst thou behold? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man that when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I am coming to another steps down before me. Jesus says unto him, Well, just rise up. Just rise up and, and take your bed and walk, and straightway the man was made whole, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, this man was a well-known cripple in the city of Jerusalem. His healing must have been apparent to many, many people. Thirty-eight years. Sometimes, after the miracle, Jesus finds him in the temple and said, Are you made whole? He said, Sin no more, lest a worse thing uh, come upon you. He was interested in healing the man's paralyzed body. But he was more interested in the man remaining free from sin and being whole in his soul. That was far beyond the sign that was demonstrated there. The sign is significance of something deeper. And today, we are sick with sin, with resentment, with anger, with hate, with a lack of love for God that would cause us to reach out and touch people. And Jesus is wanting us to come alive with a body that's paralyzed by sin and to touch people's lives by his dwelling within us. We turn for our next sign in the sixth chapter of John. This is a chapter that tells about the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was near the Sea of Galilee, and he lifted up his eyes and sees that great multitude coming unto him. And he said to Philip, Philip, uh, whence are we to buy food? Uh, that these people may eat? And Philip answered and said, Well, 200 shillings worth of uh, bread is not even enough with this many people. Now, one of his disciples said, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said, well, said, uh, here's a boy that has five loaves and two fishes, but said, what's that? Some, and so many. Now, can you think about two people saying that after he had sent the 70 out and all the other and what all they had done? So it reminds us of us, doesn't it? And he said, well, I'll tell you what, said, just have them to sit down. There's a lot of grass here in this place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And if there were three for every man, that was 15,000. 
we think maybe there's a lot more than that. Jesus therefore took the loaves, and, and having given thanks, he distributed, and he sat down. And likewise, all of the fish, as, as much as they would, they ate. And, and when they were filled, uh, he saith and his disciples, Gather up the broken pieces which remain over, that nothing might be lost. So they gathered up, and they filled twelve baskets in, of broken pieces from the five barley loaves and, which remained over, and that they hadn't eaten. And therefore the people saw the sign that he did, you know what they said? This is of a truth, the prophet that's come into the world. Later on, talking to these same people, Jesus pointed out a deeper, a deeper, a deeper meaning for the sign. He said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall in no wise hunger. And he that believeth on me shall in no wise get thirsty. He fed their stomachs in order that he might open their eyes and give them the bread of life. These are miracles. Yes, but they are also signs which points to eternal life. Now the question is, are we appropriating that and we're enjoying it? In John 6, we find the fifth side. When evening came, and his disciples went down into the sea, and they entered into the, the boat, and they were going over the sea unto Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus has not yet come. And the sea was rising uh, by reason of a great strong wind that was blowing. And when therefore they had rowed about... Uh, five or twenty or thirty furlongs, which is about three miles. They beheld Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto them, unto the boat. And they were afraid. I wonder if we're afraid of Jesus when we need him. They were. And they saw it. Are we afraid to let him come into our life and help us and tell him how troubled we are and how frightened we are and how we need him? I don't know. These were written that we might believe and not be afraid. You know what he said unto them? He said, it's, it's I. It's I. They were willing to receive him into the boat. And straightway the boat, and here's a double miracle. The boat just went to the shore. Jesus walked on the water, then he got into the boat, and the boat was immediately at land, just like that. You believe Jesus is that powerful today? The sixth of our signs is in chapter 9. It is a story of a man born blind. As one reads his story, he is tempted to stop and to study its, its interesting implications. He passed by, he saw a man from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, A rabbi, which is teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, 
that he should be born blind. And Jesus answered, Neither did this man nor his parents, but that the works of God might be made known in him. We must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He said, When I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he thus spoke, he spat on the ground, and he made a, the clay, a spittle of clay, and he anointed his eyes with the clay, and he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went therefore and washed, and he came seeing. Another sign. Notice especially the statement, I am the light of the world. A deeper significance than the blindness. Jesus healed this blind man. But he was really, he was really, really putting out that he is the light of the world, which brings spiritual life and light to people, can change hate into love, resentment into acceptance. It's another miracle, but it's also another sign. The last of the seven major signs which Jesus performed is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Forty-five verses of chapter 7 or 11 are devoted to telling that story. Now we shall read only a few verses. Jesus had been called and had come to Bethany where he had, had visited and had seen Mary and Martha many times, whose brother Lazarus was dead. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And, and he saith, Take ye away the stone. And Martha said, the sister of him that was dead said, Lord, it's four days. He's decayed. Jesus saith unto her, I say unto you, that if thou believest, that should, you should see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me, and I knew that you hear me always, but I said this so they that hear me can understand I'm talking to you. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! He that was dead came forth, with bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said, Then listen, loose him and let him go. Many therefore of the Jews who came to Mary and beheld that he, what he did believed on him. Do you? Do you believe he's the right hand of God? That he's the son of God? That he can live in us at the same time be at the right hand of God? That he can forgive us and that he can cleanse us and that he can save us from sin and that he can save us even from death? If we die in him, it isn't death at all. It's just a miss. It's just a moving from one place to another. Here's the great miracle of bringing a man back from the dead. A body back from 
decomposition, decayed. It was done that we might believe that Christ has the power. Now all that's been said in these chief signs is said over and over in John's 20th chapter. Near the end of the book, he said many, many, many other signs did. Therefore did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, many other signs. But these are written that you might believe and that continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you might have life through his name, the gospel story told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is designed to convince us that Jesus is not merely a man, but that he is the divine Son of God, that he's superhuman, that he lives in the body of people who believe in him today. You can't smell him you can't sense him by feeling you only appropriate him by knowing that he was a son of God and he demonstrated all of this while he was here there were people who believed this so strong in the first century that they died at the stake saying, yes, I believe he was the Son of God. By tradition sells, tells us that each of the twelve apostles, with the exception of, of John and Judas, eventually died the death of the martyrs. Not only the apostles, but there were many others that died as martyrs. All of them said, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God, enough to die for him, enough to give my life for him. Now, brethren, I want you to put that down alongside the little sacrifice we put just to come to worship and to live right. I want you to look that statement in, 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 in and just think about it. Of how little we put into appropriating Christ and giving to Christ and helping people to see Christ and, and to really worship Him. All these centuries, you and I have the same privilege of believing in Jesus. I have gone over these seven, but as yet I have not mentioned the two greatest. The first is in the first chapter. It was not a sign that Jesus performed, but a sign connected with Jesus himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the Word, here's the miracle, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the miracle of all miracles. We beheld his Son, the only begotten of the Father, full of great and, uh, full of grace and truth. The greatest miracle of all was God sending his Son into the world to live in human form to show man how to live 
And isn't it pathetic that we give it so little attention? Coupled with the all-inclusive miracle of the Incarnation was the proof positive when he came forth from the grave. John had just described the resurrection and how his disciples had seen him in resurrected form when he said, Many other signs truly to Jesus in the, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe that we can rest that faith on a solid ground of fact. As far as anything that we believe from the past. And I hope that you believe in Christ as the Son of God. And your belief has grown strong enough to lead you to want to be his disciple. For unless you do believe and unless you are his disciple, there is no hope and there is tragedy ahead for you. The greatest question that has ever been asked was asked by Pilate when he gave Jesus over to be crucified. Standing there before the Jews, he asked, What then shall I do unto Jesus, who is called Christ? Matthew 27 and verse 22. That question echoes down through the ages, and every man and every woman, every child that is capable of understanding must face it. What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? What will you do with him? I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, if you haven't acknowledged him and haven't received him and haven't been born again with him, you're in a dangerous condition. You can reject him and go away without becoming one of his disciples. But if you do, you curse your own life. And you seal your own eternal destiny. Or you can accept him and obey him. Opening up a marvelous life in this world. A grander life in the world to come. And when you stand in judgment before God, what a wonderful thing it will be when Jesus to be there and to say, here's one of mine. Here's the one that wasn't ashamed of me. Here's the one who owned me. Here's the one who saw the signs. He heard and he they believed. He said, Whosoever will deny me before the Father, I'll deny him. Before men, I'll deny him before the Father. Whoever confesses me before men, I'll confess him before the Father. This is an hour when you can confess your Lord. When you can repent of your sins and your way of living and be baptized into him, take a part of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and he will cleanse you with his blood. He'll make you his child, and he'll give you strength. You'll never have to worry whether you'll be successful or not. God will add you to his family, and then you have the divine promise that at judgment Christ will confess you, and you may enter in. Do you want to be a Christian? It is our hope, it is our prayer that you do, that you'll obey his command now as we stand together and sing.